With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. of Below the Belt. Uh, it's been a little while. Obviously, there's been no boxing on, um, but we did promise you we would talk about classic fights and we'd try and keep you up with the with the news and stuff like that. Um, so today I'm joined by Flav from The Fighting Cock. How are you, sir? Very good, mate. You? Yeah, yeah, wonderful, wonderful. So the last time we we did a podcast, we was talking about... Um, we did uh, Floyd against Oscar De La Hoya, didn't we? We did Floyd Mayweather against Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah. Um, and we said, uh, oh, maybe we'll do Froch, Carl Froch against Jermaine Taylor. And then we both sat down to watch it, <laughs> didn't we? And we kind of thought, other than the knockout, this is a bit dull. <laughs> well, the thing is... Um... I see. I remember that fight, and it will always stay in my head until the day I die because of the way it ended. Because of what Froch did to Jermaine Taylor in the last round, given the fact that he was down pretty much every round, more or less, right? And 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 being away from home, he he definitely wouldn't have got any kind of nod or or any kind of dodgy decision. He was losing that fight. It was out, and it was done. He knew it. Everyone knew it. And for him to be put on his ass on the fight and to get up and finish Jermaine Taylor the way he did was momentous. But as a fight, there isn't, unless, you, unless you're like a geek and, and you, you're into boxing on a very technical, minuscule level and you're inter- interested in the nuances of every fight, it's, it isn't worthy of a podcast, I think we came to that conclusion. But the, the, the ending is worthy of discussion in, in, in any yeah capacity yeah i don't remember him being hurt so badly than he was in that when he got knocked down i remember just i I remember it like it was a flash knockdown but it wasn't Uh, he got buzzed really badly early in the round and then got dropped heavy 
um yeah it was you know for the you know Carl Froch did have an iron chin I'd never deny that at all but yeah I, I understand what you were saying I watched it and he never would have got a decision over there in America you listen to the commentary I remember watching it the other day and listening to the commentary and they were very pro Jermaine Taylor yeah, uh, I guess because he was the American in America, and we can't say ours are any better. You know, Sky Sports or BT will always back the British guy, which is fair enough. You know, uh, got, I got obsessed with boxers with skinny legs after that fight. That they would always, <laughs> always gas. That, that that's my, that, that's what I think when I see a boxer with with thin legs, like yeah. you know, like Wilder for example. That, that these yeah. fighters will gas, and and, and yeah. it's just purely on the fact that I don't know if Jermaine Taylor gassed or he was just overcome by. Uh, Froch's raw determination um, but yeah I just do you know what it was it, the patriot in me it really enjoyed that because yeah it was an Englishman and he was showing all of the spirit that you get or you 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 people apply to English spirit is you 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 know we may get knocked down but we're getting up and we're gonna we're gonna run through you or you're gonna stop us kind of thing and right. it, it was that grit and and the fact yeah. that he stopped him through strength and will and technique, like the punches yeah. were okay. They were like he, he looked tired, but he was still landing really quite, quite damaging blows. And when you're fighting someone who's as tired as, as Jermaine Taylor was, they, they're they're significant. And you saw when he clocked him right at the end of the fight, Jermaine Taylor's arms dropped and he gave up. And there were 11 seconds left. I think mm. I think that's about as close as I've ever seen a fight ending, sort of ending in, in its traditional way in terms of the time being up. And the fight of winning the, a world title like that, I can't think of anyone ever doing it within with eleven seconds left. They may. Yeah, been. there was. Yeah, the, Julio Cesar Chavez is the is the one that stands out. He won with like three seconds to go. Um, was he losing though? He was losing badly. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. I yeah, didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, he was he was losing really, really, really badly, and then managed to the guy the guy that was winning. Um, he boxed a really, really bad game plan in the in the second half, uh, and sorry, in the last in the last round of the fight, he he boxed really, he was really, really naive, and I I remember just thinking, just fucking box and get on your bike, even though I knew the result anyway, because this was this fight was like back in the uh, fucking eighties or something, um, and yeah, he just I've forgotten the guy's name that that pushed him all the way like that, but um, yeah, he. That one went down to like the last three seconds and he could, the ref probably could have let it gone on for three more seconds but the guy looked absolutely fucked i think it was meldrick taylor yes it was meldrick taylor uh yeah it was meldrick taylor and uh yeah he beat him with like three seconds to go i remember at the time of the frotch fight i know we're not doing the frotch fight but i fucking hated carl frotch and i pretty much hated him throughout his career i think i initially disliked him because he used to talk a lot of shit about cho kawzaghi yeah and there's been a lot of discussion about Joe Kazagi in our WhatsApp group lately. Um, and for me, I was back then I was I was a little bit holier than now. And I used to think you don't get to talk shit about someone that's achieved more than you. Yeah, but everybody uh, that, that, that that's you true. have to. That, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Froch got it from Groves and at least Froch gave Groves a shot. This very rarely happens. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. He, he was talking up that fight against... Um, against Kawasaki constantly. And he didn't deserve it because Kawasaki were light years ahead. Like, mm. Kawasaki was further ahead than Froch than Froch was against George Groves. Like, but Froch could have ignored George Groves and fought somewhere else. And the money talked in the end of the day for that. But it did feel like like fair play for giving Groves a shot. I understand why you didn't like Froch because when he was coming up, and, and I, he was... It was a time when I was watching more boxing than ever, and and it was yeah. it was on Sky, and I think it was Friday nights. It was he was the, the the fights were on, 
and that was my favourite era of watching boxing yeah. because it was free because I really was enjoying the sport at the time and, and I got to watch boxing and I got to watch the development of boxers that I otherwise wouldn't know about and really kind of fell in love with some of the story stories that, that were, were being created and Carl Froch was if you know, we, we've been doing a wrestling podcast and he, he was he was kind of like heel he wasn't interested yeah. in being liked he knew that his talents and his style of fighting would get him where he needed to go but his tongue and, and, and the and the, the stuff that come out of yeah. his mouth after fighting it was very arrogant very cocksure and it was hard to like but um just a quick thing about those friday night fights like i i got invested i've talked about michael hunter many times but rendell monroe we mentioned in the podcast uh, on on the whatsapp group recently and it just took yeah. me back to that time where you know, it yeah. was great. The, the the production values were much lower, but yeah. but it, it was a great time to watch boxing. And yeah. was also, before then, how I really got into boxing, which is the subject of this podcast in David Hay. Because yeah. he, he, I was exposed to him on BBC on Friday nights. Yeah, me and you, we're a similar age. Uh, I'm 36, you're 38, right? And um, well, I think we both started really getting into boxing around the same time. Um, without knowing it because we didn't know each other then and uh it was around the same time and jason booth was one of my guys from friday night fights on sky sports i love jason booth and he had a he had a little rivalry with michael hunter didn't he i think they had at least one fight mm. and i think jason booth stopped him but i think michael hunter was on the way out at that point um and i, I really like jay go on sorry i i think michael hunter fought steve molitor in jason Hartley booth Port. fought steve molitor as well okay molitor was good underrated yeah, he it was J- Jason Booth had got because he was my guy, Jason Booth, and he got up into a into a place where he got a world title where he got a world title fight against Steve Molitor, and I think Steve Molitor outpointed him quite comfortably. Um, but you're right, I remember I remember watching on Sky Sports on Friday Night Fights and seeing a basketball hoop on the wall because they was in a leisure centre. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, and look, that- I don't. I'm not saying let's go back there. I'm just saying that it. Uh, and, and and boxing wouldn't be nearly as popular as it was if we did. I think Eddie Hearn, although, you know, I wish he'd kept hold of some of it, uh, yeah. but by making everything box office or at least a fight that uh, casuals would, would watch, he, he has grown the sport and brought more money into it and boxing has benefited from it. But there was something for a hardcore boxing fan as I was back there that I, I missed deeply. Yeah, there, there is something about it, I think, Perhaps it's you're right, Jay. Jay uh, Steve Molitor did fight Michael Hunter as well, and uh, there was there was some. I think. Do you think perhaps it was because it was our little secret? Do you think that's why? Do, do, does a part of you wish it was still a niche sport, or do you think? No, no, not at all. Is, I don't, do you think that's what it is? I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I don't, I don't want it to be a niche sport. Um, it's such a dangerous sport that as many eyes watching it as possible, even if they're not as learned as you are or as Mark Butcher is or Paul Zanon is, um, that that it's important to have people watching boxing. And it's important mm. because it brings money into the game. And, and th- like most sport doesn't benefit from having lots of money in it. It actually damages it, the, the, the integrity of it. But I think that's not the case with boxing because it's such a dangerous sport and it's important that as many people get as much money so that they can retire healthily and sooner than they would have otherwise. Cause some of those guys would have gone on boxed their hearts out and, and, and achieved success, but uh, nearly, n- not nearly as much money as they might do these days. So yeah. I don't, I think it's a worthwhile sacrifice that, that we don't have that anymore. And that it's been replaced with the kind of 
more casual fights and built up in a certain way. I, I think it's better for everybody, although I do miss it. And I would still watch it. I would definitely stick it on at, at 10 o'clock. I think it was also 9 o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah, and yeah. I really, I really used to, but it was my thing. Like, I don't know if this is interesting to other people, but I used to I live in London with my girlfriend, one bedroom flat. And every Friday I would look forward to, to that time. I think it was 10. It might be 9, whatever it was. And I would sit down and I'd crack over some whiskey or, or some beer and I would watch every fight with interest. And, and the more I did it, the more I knew what this fighter had done previously. And I yeah. started reading and using box rec and then figuring out yeah. who's who. And it was just, it was something that I had for me. And I, I didn't know anybody else really was into boxing. My brothers were into it on a Ricky Hatton level. Like when he was fighting, they'd watch them. But yeah. um, I was banging on about them, about David Hay, long before they knew who he was. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I miss I miss that routine and 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 that thing and and boxing now is so few and far between like it's a, in terms of uk transmission you know you might get one fight yeah. every month that, yeah. that that you you've invested enough to understand what's going on and otherwise you have to stay up in all hours watching watching um watching fights in america and the problem with that is i don't stay up of course i don't because i'm not staying up for I, I don't know. I can't think of a fight. Pull one out of my head now, but I'm, I'm not staying up for a fight. Stay that... up. Yeah. No, I know you're saying. So I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch it on Fervent Pacquiao. I didn't stay up for Fervent Pacquiao. Exactly. And and that's uh, a great fight. Like those yeah. two, two UK fighters. That's you're, you're, you're watching that, and it's going to be great, and people are going to be talking about it. But from from our perspective now, it's like I'll get up at at nine a.m. on a Sunday, make a cup of tea, and I stick it on my computer, and I'll sit here and watch it because I'm yeah. interested in boxing. But it's it's not the same. No. I mean, that, and that first moment of seeing David Hay, where I was interested in boxing previously, yeah. I think the first fight I ever watched was was uh, Oliver McCall versus Bruno with my nan, I think. Yes. And, yeah, and um, and then and then I kind of stumbled across Channel uh, BBC, ten o'clock. It was after the news or something, and David Hay came out. He had a big afro. He had black. I think he had black gloves. It might have been red gloves, and he just had. Yeah black shorts with just the puma logo on it he looked cool as fuck and um and i was like who's this guy and he goes out and smashes him out knocks him out first minute and then he's got to be fighting again two weeks later and he's he's done it again and (laughs) so i was like david Hay was the first boxer i truly fell in love with in terms of you know as as a sportsman an individual sportsman david david Hay was the one and we and we were going to talk about one of the other fights we we thought we might talk about was the value of hay fight yeah, and we watched that, and we we're like, "This is shit." Well, it was so shit that you can't find the full fight on YouTube. No one has bothered to put it up. You can only watch highlights from Sky Sports. So that yeah, was twenty minute of- highlights, and I skipped some of that bit because <laughs> <laughs> all he does is just walk around and pot shot, kind of. Really, does he just pot shots? And but you know that he hurts Vadiev because Vadiev forget the chicken dance at the end. Throughout the fight, Hayes landing shots and value of shaking his head. And that's the universal sign of, yeah, you got me there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so do you, I think the first time I came across David Hay was, uh, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Alexander Gurov. And it was when he won the European title oh, and he won beautiful. it in a round. Yeah, he, it was it was beautiful. He, he won it with a straight one-two. And, the and fu- he was the, fucked when he, the guy. The right hand that he landed was hellacious it was mm. you saw he landed right on the button uh it was sort of in the mouth yeah. and um he saw his chin be smashed down into his chest 
and he yeah. was gone. And that was for the European title. Yeah, so I that I, mate, when he won that and did that, I was jumping around my room like I just watched like Gascoigne score against Arsenal in '91 semi final. Do you know what I mean? It was it meant yeah. that much because yeah. I'd seen him get rocked by Lalenga Mock. I think in yeah. like his fourth fight or something. Yeah. Um. So I'd been watching that long, wow. and then for him to get to Sky Sports and and yeah. and and then to get that shot at the European title, I I I would watch and and and. And and and, that, and 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 be nervous watching him. If I might be getting my dates wrong, but he challenged for that after the Carl Thompson loss, right? It was after the Carl Thompson loss, right? So let me tell you about that. So I've been watching a boy watching David Hay. Uh, like like I said, any fight that was on telly, I, I managed to see in it. Anything else, I'd be reading about the ones that weren't broadcast or whatever. Because I think there's a period between his contract with BBC ended and him getting other TV deals. I might be wrong about that, but. Um, um, I, I was invested massively and I was working for a youth magazine back then. I was the editor of this youth magazine. Uh, it must have been, must have been 2005, 2006, around that yeah. time. And because they were trying to um, get him over to casual fans and not just boxing fans, because he had a certain appeal about him. He was a good-looking bloke, previously a model, yeah. and um, you know spoke well. Yeah. Uh, mixed race, really attractive guy, big, knocking people out for fun. They inevitably saw that the, he was marketable, and in mm-hmm. in the modern day, he, he would never have to have done something as minuscule as what what he did with with me. So I used my magazine to get an interview of him. Yeah, I had absolutely no intention or no knowledge about how to get this published. I had I I didn't know <laughs> what I was going to do with it, but all I knew was because I was a proper fanboy that. I, the opportunity of getting to sit with him and talk to him about boxing in his career was too much to miss. Right. So I, I spoke with his PR, not the sports PR, his media PR, his lifestyle PR guy, mm-hmm. and said that I'd love to talk to him. I'd publish it in the magazine. Like They didn't know that this magazine was published, was printed 4,000 times, and it was only distributed in the London borough of Haringey. Only. <laughs> and it only went to school children. <laughs> so, um, so I... Uh, I, I used to said yeah, and, and I, I went. He was doing a shoot in Tottenham in in, um, in Tottenham Court Road somewhere, or it might have been Soho. He was doing a shoot for the Mobo Awards, right? And and when I say a shoot, it was very small. It was a man with a camera, a light in this very tiny exclusive club uh, downstairs. Down like if people don't know, Soho in London's uh, full of these little alleyways, uh, yeah. these tiny minuscule alleyways that link the roads together, or link link the footways together. And I went down there and, and there was a little sort of arched doorway and the door was open and the guy was there waiting for me. Um, I walked down the stairs and there was this little club and, and there was David Hay and he was still doing his shoot. He had two models either side of him as typical as of him. Do you know what I mean? You, you know the kind of guy he is and what the kind of lifestyle yeah. he wanted to lead. He was definitely leading at that point. Like, mm. And uh, I, I, uh, the PR guy said, go, go and sit at the bar and David would be, uh, be over with you in a second. He, you'll, you'll get 25 minutes with him. And now, 25 minutes with a boxer of his standard is a huge amount of time. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. 25 minutes is massive. Like you, you, you might get three minutes, or you might get four yeah. minutes. Because they, they've done it. They've done it all. But the, David, at this point, they, they were working hard. He was working hard to get his image over. So he's the, he, they said, oh, you'll get 20, 25 minutes. Um, he finished the shoot about, about half an hour. And naturally, I'm just sitting there. And bearing in mind, I'm fresh-faced i'm not like like i look now i think i could pass myself off as someone who uh has made a career out of 
out of content, journalism, whatever you want yeah. to call it, right? But that then I, I hadn't. So I sat down and I was just sitting there like a child, just waiting for him to finish, shit in my pants. Bearing in mind, like, I, 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 as, I've, as I've explained, I've watched everything. So was and this after the Cole Thompson fight or before the Cole Thompson fight? This was in the run-up. So this was about four weeks before the Cole Thompson fight. Okay, so it's 2004 was when he fought Oh, Cole shit, was Thompson. it that long? Yeah, 2004. Yeah. So it was, it was about, yeah, about four weeks beforehand. He was training. He was doing these shoots. And um, it was actually, I interviewed him the week, I think it was the Monday after the weekend where Danny Williams stopped Mike Tyson. Wowzers. Because we talked about that. Right. Uh, first thing he said, oh, did you see the boxing at the weekend? And I was yeah. like, yeah, it was amazing. Because I luckily had. <laughs> I'd watched yeah. it. Uh, I said, yeah, it was incredible. Like, Dan- Danny Williams is m- amazing. And he was like, yeah, I don't know how he did that. Like, cause, and in my head, I was like, well, Mike Tyson was done. Danny Williams was fresh. Kind of, you can see it. But I didn't say that. I just said, yeah, no, amazing. Um, anyway, so he sits down. No, he shakes my hands, the first thing. His hands were like rocks. Like, yeah. it, to me... I shook his hand and it was a really uncomfortable handshake because it didn't crush my hand. It was just, they were like granite, everything. His <laughs> fingers, his, the amount of times he'd been punching or whatever, just whatever it led. I don't know if, yeah. how many boxing hands you shook and if, whether you've experienced that before. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, my, that was my feeling, like granite. And he sat down and we sat there for an hour and 45 minutes. I ran out of tape um, because he, he just gave me his time. He, he 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 must have enjoyed the situation. It was me, the PR guy, and, guy and David Hay, and we yeah. we spoke about his career, and we spoke about um, I think because I knew so much about his career and the, the fighters that he'd fought, and 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 who I, I'd, I'd done my research about who was in the cruiserweight division at the time, that that he he he's he, he talking to someone who, who understood right. So we're talking about Wayne Braithwaite, who at the time was the, I think the champ. Um, and just just the just just what he was going to do with his career, and about Carl Thompson had to get over it, and he was like, "Carl Thompson will be no problem. I'm going to knock him out, as all boxers do." Yeah. And so when we came to that Carl Top- Carl Thompson fight, I was emotionally emotionally invested in a big big way. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Did the interview make you much much more of a fan? Of course, of course. Yeah. Like he was he was lovely. He was like yeah. he was everything. He was everything you'd you'd want him to be, um, given that stage, and 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 he was humble and he was he was nice and uh, courteous and he he seemed interested in me and, and and as a fan that's all you want, isn't it? That that someone's interested in what you have to say, and that's that's it. You're done. You're in. Yeah. So that was the case. And bear in mind that was like my first time I'd interviewed anyone of that size. I'd done interviews before, but not not someone I looked up to in that way. Yeah. And. Um, uh boxers boxers are intimidating when you interview them not just not just because they're tough guys but because before you get into covering boxing or you know wanting to interview boxers you're a fan first so when you do get to talk to them and we've been lucky enough on below the belt to talk to you know a lot of boxers and stuff and it is it is intimidating and you get that um i always get it Mm. imposter syndrome i always get that imposter syndrome talking to them because you look up to them because they do the thing that we can't or won't do yeah and we've seen them on tv do amazing things mm. um so yeah hay was hay was one of my early favorites as well he, he was i was i think it might have been soccer am when i saw that european title fight because i wasn't really watching live boxing then 
Um, but I think it was that was one of the first fights that really got me into it. And I saw him knock him out, and I'm a sucker for a belt. And the European title is actually quite a nice belt. Yeah, it's, it's quite a sexy belt. And uh, I saw him win. I was like, oh, European champion. That must be good. Yeah. It doesn't mean as much as it used to, the European title. But I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, he's European champion. That That's a good thing. That I like that. And it was the same with the Jason Booths and all those guys. You know, Jason Booth was the British champion. Again, another sexy belt. Beautiful belt. Probably the best belt. belt. Oh, I think so. I think the Lonsdale belt. I think the, the Lonsdale belt or the ring magazine are the best two belts in boxing. Yeah, 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 I can go with that. I can go with that. Uh, the WBC is probably the sexiest of the four sanctioning body ones, I'd Definitely. probably say. Yeah, yeah, okay, um, for sure. But yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the, the Lonsdale belt and the Ring Magazine belt are probably the, the sexiest ones. But yeah, I remember seeing him to do that, and then that was it. I started following him from there on. Well, I, uh, yeah. Can I just, just finish the story about... Well, yeah, sorry. That's all right, it's all right. It's just the Carl Thompson fight, so I'm watching it. Hmm. And, um, and and bear in mind, like my girlfriend at the time didn't like boxing. She thought it was barbaric. She didn't actually like me watching it. She'd be a bit of an issue, but do you know what I mean? Like I was, mm. like um, I just I, it was never I was never not going to watch it. But anyway, so she watched that one with me, and obviously it starts incredibly well. Like David Hayes doing everything that that he's done in his previous fights to get rid of um, the the people that he's faced. He's landing bombs, and. It became apparent, even to me, in my limited knowledge, that he was struggling after Carl Thompson had had ridden the storm, right? And it was like I have never experienced. I didn't know what gassing was. I don't think. I don't. Right. I don't think I knew. I'd seen, but I just assumed. Look how fit he looks. Look how muscular. Mm. Looks. Surely he can punch him all, all time. All, all all fight. I have have since sort of especially talking to mark butcher you know understood exactly what carl thompson was about and this is exactly the thing that he's good at doing yeah just riding it and once once david hay had had gassed you knew the fight was well i in in retrospect you know the fight's over that he was never ever not in a million years going to be able to win that fight he was never in a million years going to be able to survive the fight let alone get to get to 12 he was or 10, I think it might have been. Oh, maybe 12. Would have been 12, wouldn't it? Because it was a minor world title. It was 12. It was for the IBO title. Yeah. Um, and he was actually, at the time, trying to replicate um, Evander Holyfield, Holyfield's um, record of winning a version of the world title in the 10th fight. Right. I remember that right. storyline. And, um, yeah, he got gassed. He got battered uh, eventually. And uh, Andy... Um, uh, fuck. Carl Thompson. No, Booth. Oh, Adam Booth. Sorry. Adam Booth. I was calling him Andy Booth for some reason. Uh, Adam Booth um, threw the towel in, and that was that. And I think it was round five, I think. Was, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then, I, and then you know, your heroes are, are, are fallible. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they can be beaten. Um, and and it, from that point forward, I never was able to watch a David Hay fight without my heart being in my throat. Because right. he'd been dropped, he'd been wobbled, and his eyes, you've seen a glassy-eyed David Hay so many times, it's unreal. And consequently, in interviews, he would always talk about his chin, his suspect. I understand it, I know it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was that night, after the fight, I sent a message to the PR guy going, I'm really sorry that happened, and uh, I'm really gutted. I went to bed and couldn't sleep. Wow. I, I couldn't sleep. I mean, it's pathetic now, but I was so invested. I, I was so I just feeling for him. I, I was just like, he must be gutted. He must be so gutted. Yeah. 
And and uh, the the message I got back from the the PR guy was just that that he goes, oh, we've been everyone's been talking, and he's going to use it to to go on, and this might be the best thing that ever happened. It definitely was the best thing that happened in his career. Yeah, do you it, think? Do you think? Do you think it would that something like that would have happened? You know, say he would have beat Carl Thompson on that night. Do you think he'd have got perhaps rushed into a world title, a proper world title fight? Well, you you know the answer to that. I know the answer to that. Yes, of course, of course he would have done. He would have got yeah. like he would have been. He probably would never have fought for a European. He would have taken that that world title, and then he would have gone on to. to he would have been sh- f- like thrown up the rankings, and and yeah. he would have been exposed a lot quicker. Um, yeah. Actually, that, that's a ridiculous thing. He got exposed really quickly, but he would probably he may have got hurt, and he wouldn't have learned any lessons. And mm. and I know that there's been questions about his dedication to the sport and 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 how much he can party and how much he can be a boxer. Yeah. Um but yeah, he definitely learned some valuable lessons on that that night. I think he's admitted that many time over as well. Yeah. And I think after after that he kind of had to rebuild, didn't he? And I I think he always credits the the Fragomeni fight as yeah. being the fight where he re- realized now I can I can I can compete at the best level. Is this cuz he I, remind me cuz they they kind of blur but did he get hurt? Did he get cut? Yeah, he got a cut, and then but he ended up stopping Fragomeni in in the late rounds. And Fragomeni was was a guy that had been around. He'd he'd box at a good level. He'd been world champion. He was a good fighter, top fighter, and he'd been in with the best fighters in the world. And so after the rebuild, he won the European title against Gurov, who we were talking about a minute ago. He defended that a couple of times, and then it was like, okay, Adam Adam Booth being Adam Booth is like. Okay, time to move up again now. It's time because Adam Booth, you you know, he's always been that kind of trainer. He doesn't he doesn't do tune up after tune up after tune up. He's not going to get you to twenty and zero before you step up. It's he like, rushed. No, if, he rushed. Um, he he put George Groves in in bigger fights than perhaps. He was like six, and he won the Commonwealth title in like his sixth fight. Yeah, he fought Glenn Johnson quite early and did re- like did a great job on him. Yeah, he George Groves, he boxed. It was Kenny Anderson as well. Kenny Anderson, he boxed for the Commonwealth title. Uh, he boxed, and that was a really tough fight. He got dropped by by Kenny Anderson. Um, he's always been that that kind of fighter. That's that's that's. Oh, sorry, Adam Booth's always been that that kind of trainer that that will rush. He will rush you or, or rush. He'll move you along quickly kind of thing. And it's Commonwealth title, right? And then it's, it was Kenny Anderson. And then after the Kenny Anderson fight, he got dropped in the Kenny Anderson fight. And then he two one or one fight later, he boxed one more fight. And then he boxed James DeGale main event at the O2. Yeah. Uh, so it was one of those, uh, it was one of those, one of those. And that was where he first met T, wasn't it? It was the, the James DeGale fight, right? I didn't meet him there. We were watching it and talking to each other on Twitter ah. as we was watching it, because right. that, that's one of the ones that's such a big fight and so exciting. That I ha- and I had Twitter at the time that I, uh, yeah, I just talked to T about boxing. That, that's how we, that's how we right. met. Right, right, yeah. You, Similar, you, was... you wanted DeGale to, to win, obviously, and I, I wanted the... I wanted George to win. Yeah. Yeah, that was the same kind of thing. So after the Fragomeni fight was the, the John Mark Mormack fight. What, what do you remember about that when he went and finally won the world title? Um, I, it was it was incredible. And it, it wasn't... Um, he like going out, but Mormek was was like top of the tree then, right? Yeah, he was... yeah. WBC, WBA. Um, I think it wasn't Ring Magazine, but he had the two main world titles. And I think he was the lineal champion as well. Yes, yeah, so... and he was the man. Yeah, he was the man. And I, um, but I, I, I'd got back into the old um, 
the mindset or that David Hayes now like he's learned his lessons. He's yeah. learned his lessons. He, he's uh, he's he's learned from the Carl Thompson fight, and he's he's going to dominate. He's gonna he's going to dominate this. And that the as good as Mormack is, he won't stand up to David Hayes Hayes power. And it was an, an absolutely incredible fight. It, it, uh, I think David Hay got dropped again. I remember him slumping in the corner at one moment. Um, but he, he came back and, and, and absolutely demolished Mormek. And it was um, it was an amazing thing to go over to Paris. I think yeah. where it, I'm sure, sure it was in Paris. It was in France, yeah. Uh, oh, was it not in Paris? Don't think so, no. Palais de Sport, Marcel, I've just checked. All right, it was in, he was in France, right? And... Um, and, he, and 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 there's nothing greater, and and it should be this way. It should be this way, for a, a boxer to go over to the home of the, the 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 champion. If you want to take the title, you need to not only be better than them, but you need to go to their hometown or their wherever they choose to fight, wherever they're comfortable, uh, and do it. And that's what David A had to do, and that's what Carl Froch had to do, and 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 they did what they needed to do to to stop them, and and it. And it, you know, it wasn't the first time that David Hay did this, but yeah, on that night where it all came together and he he held the belts up, there's a great photo of him with 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 these belts just hanging off his hands, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, it was like it was almost like everything I thought would happen to David Hay happened on that night, right. and um, it's it's a shame because he, I don't think he got in outside of outside of um, boxing, he probably didn't get. That fight isn't remembered by my brothers, for example, wouldn't remember that fight, but they will remember him beating Valuev, which we'll come on to. Oh, no way. Because the when I think about the Mormek fight, the first thing I remember is that it was on Satanta Sports. That's right. The first thing I remember about that, and I remember that, as was the Macronelli fight, which we'll probably talk about in a second, yeah. they were both on Satanta. And who the fuck had Satanta? My stepbrother had Satanta. So I would go, I went and watched both those fights at his house because again, I love, I wasn't, didn't know much about boxing at the time. I was just starting to just starting to slowly hoover up content. This was 2007. So it was the same year as the Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya fight. Uh, and this was a month before the Ricky Hatton fight, Mayweather against Ricky Hatton. So I was really starting to get into boxing then. I was starting to hoover content up like nothing. But like you just said, buy the magazines, get on BoxRec, get on Boxing Scene Forum. And some people like the BoxRec Forum. I always like the Boxing Scene Forum. I like BoxRec Forum. That's why I was, I was on there. Yeah, yeah, I was in the boxing scene one, and I always just wanted to get up there. You got different levels on the boxing scene one, and I just wanted to get to interim champion level. That was all, <laughs> I, ever, that was all I ever wanted, and I did finally get it. I did get banned once, but I did finally get it. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it was, yeah, I remember, and it was the belts. And once I realized that Mormek was the champion, it brought out the nerd in me, lineal champion, all that stuff. That was the first time I'd heard lineal champion. I was like, what's this? And it brought out the nerd in me. And when he beat him, I was like, oh, my God, he's the man. Like, that's it. He is the guy. WBC, WBA. There's something about unification. I love seeing belts unified. And for him to go over and win two of the world titles was just a huge deal. And he never got enough credit for that win. That's yeah, what, like, yeah that's that's what that that that's that's my feeling as well, and yeah. it, it was it was the best win of his career, and um and you know it, it catapulted him in in a, in a sporting sense to to everything else that he got afterwards, and I guess it was it was from this point point that I started to get somewhat frustrated with him, 
Now, this isn't me. Um, I wouldn't fall out of love, and not immediately. Uh, I did eventually, um, but after the Mormit fight was when I started to think there's that that he started taking his, his career down a path that I didn't want him to. Right. <laughs> it's okay. his prerogative. It's just not, not what I wanted. Right. <laughs> um, and I feel like uh, it started with Enzo Macronelli. Macronelli yeah. Um, where, and, and that was the correct fight to take, obviously, because of uh, of the beef. And Macronelli was still a big name in the division and was mm. handy. Um, mm. but, but, but he got caught up throughout his career, David Hay, in a war of words with so many people that ended up in fights. Now, right. in a in a marketing sense, it makes sense because they make money. You make yeah. you make lots of money. There's beef. You get the attention of the casual fan and maybe yeah. even the newspapers. And then and then there's money to be made. But I fear that his his career would have been more successful in terms of sporting accolade if he hadn't got caught up in stupid beefs all the time. Yeah. And obviously, I think. The start of that was, but the start of that was the Macronelli fight, where there was this ongoing sort of British sort of beef between yeah. them. Um, Macronelli, obviously, at the time, I don't think he was either undefeated or he'd only been beaten. He'd only been beaten once. Been beaten once, and yeah. um, uh, and you, you know he, he he could pop. He had a good. He knocked a fair few people out. He had a good right yeah. hand and that. So. You know, you didn't you didn't know what would happen. So I was I was naturally nervous going into that, and and I had no issue with the the beef between them two and what how that was yeah. talked up, but I kind of saw a pattern after that fight. Yeah. What did you think? I, what, what I'm you... having a flashback actually. Sorry, I'm having a flashback to that night uh, after the Mormec fight. Uh, they had Enzo McAdelli in the studio, and uh, David Hay. They asked David Hay in the ring, "Are we going to fight Macronelli next?" And he said, no, I'm going up to heavyweight. I don't want to fight him. I'm going to go up to heavyweight instead. And you could see the look on Enzo Macronelli's face. He was fucking fuming. Yeah. Because it was a mind game. It was all just to just to fuck with him. And I, I think you're right about the silly little beefs and the silly little things. Him and Adam Booth, they, 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 they were the outsiders. They weren't a Frank Warren. They weren't Eddie Hearn. They weren't top rank or golden boy. They were always liked to be independent outsiders doing things their way. And I think that I quite admired that about them. I always quite liked that. Same with George Groves. I always liked that about George Groves, that he wasn't beholden to any one of these old fucking dinosaurs that had run the sport for, for centuries, it felt like. And I always quite liked that about them. But I think I think you're right. At times, it, they got themselves into... I think both of them as a team got themselves into these scrapes that they didn't really need to. No, absolutely not. And and, and you're right. While it's admirable that that they always went their own path and they created Haymaker promotions pretty quickly early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you had fighters under, under that Haymaker promotion band. I think uh, uh, George, George Rose was, was under there. There was maybe one other, but I can't remember. Um, and uh, yeah, but, but, but sometimes a wise head is good. And I think if they had Eddie Hearn, not that he was massive there in any shape or form, but if they had someone like him who could guide his career a bit yeah. more, um, sort of intelligently rather than emotionally and, and led by two people that are no more about boxing than I could ever, but at the time weren't experienced in that aspect of it, in managing a, a, a career perhaps, mm. that they might have benefited from other things. But um, 
Yeah, so the 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 Enzo fight. Bear in mind that when he was fighting Enzo Macronelli, there were talk about his weight struggles. Like he, yeah. he had to boil down. He I remember remember how ripped he was at cruiserweight. Like he was, it was ridiculous. There wasn't an inch of fat on him, which mm. gives probably was why he gassed. Mm. He would often be accused of gassing, and we saw it happen. Yeah. But when you've got no natural weight on you, we often see in the heavyweight divisions like the, the bigger guys are those that tend to be able to go on or the most. Norm the but the ones the most normal body like yeah like Tyson Fury Tyson like, Fury yeah, yeah Tyson Fury is a great one like, he does just does not gas he does not he, yeah. he could box twenty rounds it seems um, yeah. but then you look at Wilder and then you look at AJ and and that, and other fighters that are even like Lennox Lewis's body was he was muscular but it was it looked right he, he wasn't ripped was he no but he, he looked he, he was definitely ripped. muscular he was big but he was he, he was, was a muscle yeah perfect he, he said the perfect. Um, blend and i'm sure there's technical aspects to it but um a blend between muscle and just natural shape just, yeah yeah i agree i agree with that no i think i think if you was to build a build a heavyweight i think it would be lennox lewis yeah, yeah six yeah. foot five great jab um you'd want a better chin on him but other than he is as a body just as a you know body six foot five long reach good jab and the right sort of build that's he is the kind of, but yeah david hay was so muscular and i think he put there was a little bit of that was ego a bit of that was marketing and that was just his body shape as well yeah he probably didn't need to be as muscular as well um i remember staying up for the dienzo macronelli fight and that was also on satanta as well um and what we were just talking about with them getting into their little fights and bickering and things like that. That's probably why they ended up on Satanta as well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, and but what I'm saying is, I'm agreeing with you, what I'm saying is it's it's that they ended up on Satanta, and that's cool, but the biggest moments of his career, you could say, Mormek and Macronelli, ended up on a fringe channel because they just couldn't do business. They couldn't, perhaps, just couldn't do business. I imagine there's back. reasons for that goes back to um, that goes back to them the, the the lack of management there, I guess. Um, yeah, you know, if it, there was not having the, an adult in the room, exactly. <laughs> in a way, an yeah. old head, an yeah, old head, and he would have ended up on Sky, and um, uh, rather than Satanta. But I'm sure Satanta made they sent them a lot of money there, boy. Probably oh, yeah. part of the reason why they went out of business so quickly, yeah. uh, because they they spent a lot of money on on uh, putting these shows on, and probably just didn't have the bankroll to sustain it. Um, which is my worry with things like the zone and that, whether the, the will they be able to create the zone's not long for this world. I, I don't think it's going to do great at all. They, you they... can't. I, as soon as I saw that and all the money they're pumping, I just thought you that you can't sustain that. Yeah. You can't sustain pumping that much money in. And the global crisis we're in at the minute, I think it's. I think there's going to be a lot of casualties. I think boxing is going to be one of them with the zone. Yeah. But tell us about Enzo Macronelli. What what <laughs> your memories of that fight? I, can I tell you my one? Yeah, Enzo Macronelli running to the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's always a worry. I think there's a couple of boxers that have done that again. The Monty Barrett, Two Guns Barrett. He did. He it, ran and, and fell over the ropes, didn't he? Yeah. You, you, if you're running to the ring, it shows a lack of control. It doesn't show an e- it, being eager and excited to be there. It shows you're out of control. Yeah. Um, and um, I can kind of get it. Like he's trying to get into. He's trying to get into David A's head. I'm I'm eager yeah. for this. I want this so badly, yeah. but they they they're both long in the tooth, and they were boxing. Isn't about 
it's about technique it's about timing and it's about uh, about about keeping a clear head and an angry boxer is one isn't one that typically wins that often yeah and it makes me think you know i I could say this with the degree of hindsight is i want to get this over and done with that he's running to the ring like that yes yeah yeah he's not savoring every moment and you see nervous energy and and um yeah he's moving in the ring just a little side note before we do talk about and Zona Rackenary getting absolutely shooed in um, was um, the, the, this. I guess is again the start of my uh, the the the, chi- the chink in the armor for uh, David Hay and, and my relationship with him is that he yeah. came out into the ring with a Northern Cyprus badge on his on his shorts. Yeah, because he would train out there. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I, at the time, I was working with uh, a guy who um, would call himself a Cypriot, not a, not a Greek Cypriot or a North Cypriot. He called himself right. a Cypriot because the island was divided. A very, very short, brief, brief history lesson. In the eight, uh, 70s, there was an invasion from uh, Turkish soldiers onto Cyprus. Right. They they commandeered. There, there, there was, I think, like 40,000 people displaced, 7,000 people dead. Lots. I, I, I'm getting my figures wrong here, but, you, you know, it was, it was significant. And and the uh, island was split into two and the British Army got involved. It was It was... It was a quite a difficult time, and 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 the person I was working through, his family were displaced from Northern Cyprus, and they lost all right. their properties and everything. So I was kind of reading books about this at the time, and then I saw that, and I was like, "Oh God, do you, do you know what you're doing here and what you're saying?" Anyway, right. I got past it because I I love boxing, but the yeah. um, uh, yeah, he he ended up just absolutely shooing him in, yeah. F- folded him up. Yeah, I remember I I uh, I wa- I watched that. I remember staying. I remember falling asleep waiting for the main event to start because it started at two a.m. Yeah. Um, but it was at the O2 in London. But they wanted it to be on American TV on Showtime, and so it started um, at the O2 at two a.m. I remember being sat at home falling asleep, thinking, "Oh my god, come on, just start, just start!" Yeah. And watching the build up constantly, again and again, all the way until two a.m. Thinking, "Oh my god!" And then when it it was as quick as it started, it was finished. Yeah, it was. <laughs> how long did it last? Two rounds. Two rounds. Yeah. Um, I remember. I remember. I remember in the must have been the opening twenty seconds that K, uh, Kane. So what I'm talking about David Hay lost mm. his footing. Yeah. Or was tagged. I couldn't yeah. tell, but my heart was like, no. <laughs> uh, I think it was. I can't remember what was landed. I just remember him stumbling, and I don't even yeah. know if a punch was landed, but it was. Uh, I remember thinking, "Oh God, here we go again." Not already. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Yeah, it was. I yeah, I I think I've I got the uh, Kawasaki Hopkins DVD, but that was quite a shitty fight. But so to make the, the to make the DVD more sellable, they put Hay and Macronelli on it as like a bonus feature because they were both they would have both been on Satanta. Yeah, they were both right. both fights were on Satanta. They was around the they was around the same time as well. Um, and I, yeah, I remember just staying up till two in the morning and, um, it got to the second round and he just, he landed the shot, um, Hay. And as soon as he landed that first shot, Macronelli's legs did a chicken dance and that was it. The fight was over and he had three portions. He had three portions of the, of the world title after that. And, uh, then he really was the man. And then you could start to talk about him in the same breath as Evander Holyfield. Yes. He was achieving what? Holyfield did and I I think you know in terms of cruiserweights that have achieved the most then he's in that he's in that top three um because he did incredible things um 
and if his size would have allowed him to, he could have he could have absolutely cleaned up and been undisputed best cruiserweight ever. But mm. no one stays in the cruiserweight division because no. it's not sexy. There's no money. No. The Germans love cruiserweights. The Germans love cruiserweights. Do they? But don't know money in Germany. Yeah, they love it. They love cruiserweights. They're really weird like that. But there's no money in Germany, really. Um, but once, once he, once he, yeah, he was always going to go to heavyweight after that because you know, as we mentioned before, he was tight at the weight, wasn't yeah. he? He was, t- he was tight, and he had a heavyweight fight in between those fights. He played two seventeen in a fight in between those fights. I didn't know that. Yeah, I remember it at the time. I've just I, you know, I've got a box track on the screen, and I've just yeah, he fought he fought um, an interim fight, um, uh, Thomas Bonin, and it was um, yeah, that was it was um, it was yeah, it was in between the it was just before the Mormec fight. Sorry, it was just before the Mormec fight. He he boxed at, at, at two seventeen, so he boxed a heavyweight fight just to have a feel have a feel around it, mm. and then yeah, he got the Mormec fight, took that, and then got the Macaroni fight and took that. And then he went up to heavyweight. Just before we start talking about his heavyweight run, we got asked a question ages ago on the podcast. And I never asked it because we just didn't get round to it for whatever reason. But it's a really good question. Um, and it's uh, who would win at Cruiserweight, David Hay or Alexander Usyk? Uh, Usyk would have, would have um, beaten him convincingly. I, I think Alexander Usyk's the greatest Cruiserweight of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Evander Holyfield was a great cruiserweight. David Hay was a great cruiserweight. I think they're the top three. I think they're the top three comfortably. But um, Alexander Usyk me is the is the best, and I think he's gonna do some bits at heavyweight should his body hold up. I just worry about yeah. him, and I worry about him and injuries. But I agree with you. I think he would have beat David Hay. I think he would have just he would have beaten him. Like he would have stopped him. I agree. He'd have gassed him and stopped him. I think he would have probably stopped him within five rounds. Wow, really? Yeah, that... I just just he's too chinny, and uh, Usyk's too accurate, and, and punches yeah. too much. I, I just don't think you would have stopped him. But so what? Let's not talk about that. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about it briefly, briefly, briefly before heavyweight. So yeah, Valuev. How Valuev? Like, what was your what? What did you know about Nikai Valuev? Just that he was a giant a freak. Um, that. Uh, for, not, when I say freak, that not, I don't mean like a freak show. He was just a freak in terms of his size in boxing. It was he. Well, how old big was he? Seven, seven foot. He was seven foot, seven foot exactly, and he was over three hundred pounds. Yeah, and, but not just that. His head um, was massive, gigantic. Yeah. And I remember talk, thinking about a, a, a news report, reading a news report where they were reporting that his skull was thicker than a normal humans as well. He had. Part of the re- of his growth I might be pulling this out my ass. I'm pretty sure I remember. <laughs> it this. sounds like something you would have in wrestling, isn't it? It's such a wrestling, yeah, mythical thing. Story, but but, yeah. but there was a part of why he was so big, and it was a to do with his genetic makeup. It wasn't right. like they're a family full of seven foot <laughs> valley right. webs everywhere. They might have been big, but he was like the biggest, and right. um, and and a part of this. I'm going to try and find it when you're talking to see if I haven't just made this up and I'm, I'm creating some sort of wrestling yeah. storyline to make this better than it was. <laughs> but, um, but I'm pretty sure that he, he's, okay. his skull was thicker and, and, and the idea was that obviously David Hay was had knocked out everybody he'd won against, I think. If I, I'm just yeah. pulled out. I think he'd knocked everyone out at that point. Anyone he'd so, beaten, he'd knocked them out, right? So I was just thinking, like, so they built this up as like, he's got, he's giant, he's seven foot, he's never been hurt, he's never been dropped. He, uh, he cannot be hurt. Yeah. Can David Hay, who is what six three? Yeah, uh, 
you know, half his weight probably. <laughs> and uh, can he can he knock him out? Um, but yeah, like I just thought I I had absolutely zero zero. Um, I I was completely convinced that David Hay would beat him. Right, right. In the run up to thing- it. By then he'd lost the fight. He lost to Ruslan Chakayev. But he'd never and been then, dropped. He'd never been hurt though. No, he never been dropped. Never been stopped. You were right. You did. Yeah. No, you didn't say anything wrong. Um, everything you said was correct. Um, yeah, he'd lost to Chakayev, and I remember. And then so he lost the title to Chakayev, but then Chakayev failed a medical. I think he had like a sexually transmitted disease or something. He had some disease, which meant he got stripped of the title. And the thing when I went because. Uh, around this, so this was 2006, 2007. So I worked in a warehouse and I used to work on nights. And uh, on Channel 4, there was a TV show called KO TV. Uh, it used to come on in like the early, early hours of the morning. And I would sit up while I worked at the warehouse and just watch that. And it would have all these niche, quirky fights that had happened. It would have historical fights. I, re- I remember watching. Um, Joe Lewis, uh, Joe Lewis getting knocked out um, by the Swedish guy. Uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he got knocked. He got knocked out in his career, and then he ended up avenging it. Um, and that was one of the times I really started to learn about boxing was watching KO TV. And one of the things I saw on KO TV, or it might have been on the internet, was in one of his title defenses, he boxed a guy called Jamil McCline, and he he knocked him out by punt. We hit him. And Jamil McClain dislocated his knee. And I remember thinking that was the most scary thing I'd ever heard. Uh. That this guy had hit a guy so hard that he dislocated his knee. What, he made his body twist or something? Yeah, that was what—that was the image I had in my head. That yeah. was what happened. Um, again, I think it was the wrestling fan in me. And I was like, oh my God, this guy dislocated a guy's knee from a punch. And I remember <laughs> thinking, oh my God, that's so scary. Yeah. Um, and then he ended up losing the next like next fight to Ruslan Chakayev. But yeah, in the fight, I think he he was quite light going into the fight. David Hayer, he was he didn't like weigh a massive massive amount, and I think he was going for speed. Um, but the fight itself ended up being a bit dull, didn't it? He just kind of he pot shotted, didn't he? Hey, he just yeah, moved yeah, around. The, the fight was horrible. Yeah, he um, moved and, around. He gone. And it will, and, and it was also. Like nerve wracking because I went into the fight thinking 100% hey, he's not he's too quick, too small. He, he will hurt him. Yeah. There's, there's, it's going to be really hard for Valuev to, to land on him because his punches, he was, they were quite slow and lumbering. Like, you, you throughout the fight, he, he tried to jab hey. I don't think he may have landed one punch in 12 rounds. Um, I think there's one point where he connected with a, a hook, but the jabs were just so slow. And for someone as quick, and David Hay was a quick heavyweight. He's quick cruiserweight, but he with the bit when he fought bigger people, he was he was fast. He was hard to hit, elusive, mm. and um, and with with Booth's game plan, um, I didn't I wasn't worried about the result. But the minute a boxing fight starts, all of that logic goes okay. out, and you think, well, he can be clocked at any time. This is a this is two men trying to hit each other over mm. twelve rounds. At some point, this giant is going to land on David Hay, and it'll be good night. So you're just on tenterhooks the whole time, thinking. Just don't get caught. Don't get caught. Um, and and he had knocked out loads of people. He had a good knockout record. I've just looked on. Yeah. on I'm looking now on the box record. The 34 and 50s. That's nothing to be sn- sniffed at. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also just read that someone else said that they've read that Valuev has a two-inch thick skull. 
<laughs> apparently, Chavez, Julio, Julio Chavez Jr. had a, a, a skull three times thicker than, than most human beings. That would make sense. Um, yeah, so I was, I, was, I was worried. I watched it in a pub, uh, Keys, in, in Holloway Road uh, with right. Ricky from the Fighting Cop podcast. And uh, I was just sitting there with my head in my hands going, please don't lose, please don't lose. And um, yeah, it was 12 rounds of pot shot in, in the most extreme. He, yeah. he, was, uh, he landed some big shots, he, the hooks especially. And in, in Hayes' defence, it's really hard for him to do that. Like you could load up on the body, but then he's got a risk of being tagged if he's on the inside too often. Yeah. The correct thing was to do what he did, was to go over there, snatch the title yeah and go away and, and, and fight Klitschko or whatever else you need to do next yeah in order to um make make your money and and, and secure your legacy yeah uh but yeah as, as a spectacle it was terrible yeah no it was awful i think the thing that stands out to me was was uh jim watt's commentary because he had the fight really really close and he, I think he might have even scored it a draw. He scored it really, really close. After watching those highlights the other day, granted I didn't watch the whole fight, I remember thinking this fight wasn't close really. Hey, just pot-shotted him and got out of the way and he barely took anything back. Um, I've, perhaps his lack of activity maybe made the, the fight closer than what it was. And that was around the time, and it still kind of exists to this day, where Sky Sports perpetuate this thing that you never get a decision in Germany. Yeah, um, the, irony they loved, the irony they of They loved to pump that line out, didn't they, Sky? Yeah, it was always about Germans, Germans, and you know, now it's you never get a decision in Great Britain. But back then, it was you know, you don't get one, you don't get a decision in Germany, you don't get a decision in Germany. And I remember right at the end when he when he hurt Valley with Jim Watt saying, "Is he going to regret not trying harder earlier? He's going to regret this now." Uh, like. And it was uh, re- in reality, it wasn't really close. But he won the title, and I remember being elated that he that he had won the the, the heavyweight title, uh, even if it was just a WBA version. I'm remembering as well that after the Monty Barrett fight, there was a year between the Monty Barrett fight and the Valuev fight, and that was because he signed to fight Vitaly Klitschko, didn't he? Yes, and he did his back. Yeah, was that right? Was his back? I can't remember. He had so many bloody injuries. I think injuries he signed his... to fight Vitaly because Vitaly was the WBC champion. He'd come back from retirement. He beat Samuel Peter. I remember watching that and he smashed up Samuel Peter who'd beat, who'd smashed, who'd, he didn't beat Vlad, but he'd, he'd given Vlad a really hard fight. Mm. And he signed to fight Vitaly, but then he did his back and then he didn't fight Vitaly. And then he signed to fight Valuev and fought Valuev instead. Um, I'm just remembering that. Sorry. Uh, he had the mandatory with John Ruiz. Yeah, um, good. Would, would brush over. He, he he smashed him, didn't he? he? Smashed him up. He 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 didn't look great, but he smashed John Ruiz up. And then the Audley fight. Um, the Audley fight was one that should never have happened. Yeah, again, yeah. again. So, like again, I was like, what What are you doing? Like, I get you're building up. You're you're, you're looking to get in the ring with one of the Klitschkos, and 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 an Audley Harrison is a name, and mm. there's been beef between them. But as a fan of David Hay, you wanted to see him topple the world again, or you know, you've yeah. gone to the top of K two now, or or what is it? what's the name? Another mountain other than Everest, a smaller yeah. one. Right, <laughs> you've climbed that by beating Valuev. Now yeah. at the top of Everest is where you need to go. Yeah. And I, I I get that there might have been a plan here, but I was like, not Audley Harrison though. Like yeah. like any like I know everybody knows you can smash Audley Harrison. 
Yeah. Like Audley Harrison knows you could smash Audley Harrison. And he didn't even know. Do you know what I mean? But he knows deep down. Um, and it, and there was a lot on the line. Uh, you know, if he would have lost there, somehow, <laughs> it would have been over. It would have been starting again. I just, it just, it, it was that. And like, you know, going on Chisora and then Bellew, it just felt like, and, and even, um, oh, fucking who's it? Uh, the champ. Let's go champ. Um, Oh, Shannon Briggs. He nearly got in the ring with him. Nearly. Yeah. They were building that because they both boxed on the same card. Exactly. It was the, I think it was the Mark, the Maury one. Yeah. Um, but the it was like, like you're, you wasted fights here with people that gave you nothing but a, a paycheck, really. And, and, I, and I'd even put Chisora in that as well when he, when yeah. he beat him up at West Ham. Mm. Um yeah, but so, you know, I don't know, is there anything to talk about here other than he got in the ring, Audley Harrison didn't throw a punch and got bad? Yeah, it was, it was, I think this was when people started to turn on David Hay, wasn't it, really? Um, because they'd seen him mess about a bit with Vitali. People kind of doubted the sincerity of the injury. He then fought Nikolai Valuev, but it was a stinker. And he would have talked all the big talk and lead up to it about knocking him out and all this sort of stuff. And then he, it was kind of a stinker. He's then boxed John Ruiz. Yeah, he got the result. He won. He got a stoppage. Great, but he didn't look stellar. He didn't look as good as he had looked. And then he boxes Audley. And Audley was, yes, I can. Yes, I can. All the way up to it. And um, the thing with that was he carried Audley for two rounds and then made a joke afterwards about betting on himself in the third round uh, and then retracted it because the British board told him that was illegal. And he didn't <laughs> to do that. I'm um, sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't. But it was just... Uh, I think he, I think some people definitely did. Really? He was holding him up. He, they, he didn't throw a punch. He, and the referee, do you all remember, the referee, uh, Lewis Pabon, um, He's he's a referee that will stop someone when they need to be stopped. He's quite a soft referee, but he had to get in between them and go, "You need to box. Yeah. <laughs> you actually need to." He does. He did the punching motion. He like called time, got in between them, and started moving his fists, saying, "You have to fight. It's time to fight. They're paying to watch you box." And I think he did hold him up. I don't know if it was a betting thing, but it just felt like he was just trying to get maybe get some rounds in or something, but. He, there was something going on there because he just didn't. They didn't throw a punch, and David Hay could have got rid of him any time he wanted to. Perhaps he respected Audley's power. He could give. He could be that he respected Audley's power because he'd just come off the the knockout victory over Michael Sprott for the European title. It might have been that, but he. It was people started to turn on him after that. They did. They started well, to turn they, on him. If they didn't turn on him then. They were definitely turning him after Vladimir Klitschko. Yeah, yeah which had yeah. been building for such a long time. And, um, you know, not just the fight. I think the fight was pretty, it wasn't that long after. It's maybe six mm. months or something, seven months. But no, maybe, maybe a bit longer. Not, but whatever it was, it wasn't like he was, there was ring rust involved. But it was because of the build up to Vitali. I remember him goading the brothers quite heavily. There was the, oh picture, my God, yes. The pictures of the severed heads and him holding both of them and all that kind of stuff, which they really didn't like. And I think their culture, that was quite disrespectful, you know. That's yeah. we're someone's son kind of thing. Like, how yeah. dare you? I feel quite sorry for Vladimir and Vitaly Klitschko actually because they got a lot. They were top of the tree for so long, and a lot of people come from and said some really horrible stuff. Like yeah. the Shannon Brigstone was bordering on bullying. <laughs> yeah, he would turn up and eat. I eat what you eat, champ. And yeah. and, and when he was was he water skiing and he went past him in yeah. a speedboat like that. Yeah. 
it's horrible. That's a bullying stuff, isn't it? But yeah. um, if he wasn't so tough, it wouldn't. It would. It, 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 it would have mattered, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, you saw the fight, and I, I've got to be honest, mate. My interest at that point had waned right. significantly because you're talking two years now between yeah. Valuev and and Klitschko. So that's two years of I'm watching other boxers and started mm. to lose interest, and I was defending him. But that night, I was um, I went out. I've been out. I've been out partying, and um, we were. I was. I watched the fight, but not properly. I was. I was um, in, not in the right mind space. Let's say I was out in Upper right. Street. I was in a pub. Um, I think Ricky had fainted at some point in that evening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, so I watched it, and uh, yeah. Um, it was he got he didn't really throw much he, I've, I've watched it since of course and he didn't he didn't do anything he didn't do he the kept, things he kept the main thing that sticks out for me was when he kept collapsing to his knees mm. because he was trying to point out to the referee that vlad was leaning on him and so he kept collapsing to his knees he was just uh, I, from a british fox boxing like it's like the opposite of what you're supposed yeah, to do yeah his only chance in hindsight was to jump on vlad early mm. and try and catch him with a shot and make him panic because Vlad did panic. He was someone that when hurt, he didn't cope with being hurt very well. Later in his career, he got, you know, obviously in the Anthony Joshua fight, he, he did okay in the, in, the, in the fifth round, he got dropped, didn't he? But, yeah, I mean, early on, he got walloped. Uh, mm. uh, Corey Sanders? I think it's that in Corey the... Sanders, yeah, knocked him out. Sparta, yeah. like, flush. And wasn't that in the UK as well? Uh, I don't think no, that wasn't in the UK. He did he did box in the UK. His brother definitely his brother boxed Herbie Hyde and stopped Herbie Hyde. Oh uh, right, I just uh, remember Corey Sanders. It might have been being interviewed afterwards in front yeah. of um, Tower. He boxed. Bridge. He did box Monty Barrett actually early in his career. Uh, okay. Yeah, he boxed at the London Arena. Uh, you never hear about the London Arena. Um, but yeah, no, Vitali came over here and he smashed up Herbie Hyde. Um, but yeah, he was. You know, I I I think after the Joshua fight, I started to respect Vlad a bit more. Um, and I've said it on this podcast before. I respected how it was. There was something romantic about an old champion going out on his shield and giving the young gun yeah. everything he could handle. Yeah. And I really respected. I Vlad, mean, Vlad. that would be a good podcast to do. Yeah, that would about, be AJ and and Vlad. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. We could watch it again and, and talk about it again uh, once you know Alex gets his computer fixed. We'll see. We get him involved in tea. It was yeah. It was a special night. It was a special. I'm not the biggest Joshua fan in the world, but it was a cracking fight. Easily the fight of the year. And oh, yeah, yeah Josh, Joshua and Vlad both came out of that with massive, massive credit. Mm. Um, so are we are we ready to wrap up on David Hay now? Yeah, we can do because uh, there's not much else happens. Like the the toe, yeah. we didn't mention the toe again. The, yeah, the complaining. The toe, yeah, like that. I mean, I I get the importance of having toes that aren't broken when going into a fight, right? You, yeah, all of boxing comes from footwork fundamentally. The basics and and how much yeah. power you have and how comfortable your ring comes and how comfortable you are with your feet, right? Mm. So to have have a broken toe, or whatever it was at the time, was it would have hindered him. And you wouldn't pull out with that kind of injury, so it would would be a struggle. But you don't have to make a display and 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 stand up on the table or whatever he did. Yeah. And the issue is, is that you're talking to people who don't understand what you're saying. So yeah. the press will not report this as I the broken toe would have caused him problems. And as boxing fans, we know that that would have caused him problems. 
but his yeah. fan base wasn't us. His fan base yeah. was the sun readers and the wags and the wives yeah. and girlfriends and they don't give a shit about your broken toe. They're not going to give you sympathy over that. They're not going to understand it why it's important. Yeah. It was his pinky toe as well. It was, was his smallest toe. toe. Yeah. yeah. It was like, like, just I'm willing, get an I'm, injection in your foot and get on with it. Very true, mate. Very true. Uh, and then obviously let's, let's wrap up, but the, the it took he was out of the ring for a long time. I think he had a, a shoulder surgery. Um, his body was breaking down. Yeah. He had comeback fights against the, uh, I remember Mark Demori because of what he looked like. The other guy, I can't remember. I just remember his name was his his surname was unpronounceable, but his nickname was the Cobra. So I remember him. That was the only. It was Arnold Gujaraj or something. Yeah, his, and I he, and I yeah. I think um, I think Tony Belly saw an opportunity there. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and and what irritates me about this is that you he took advantage of a broken man. Now I'm saying that because he claimed this. This is a joke. You're a joke. You're you're killing you're 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 um you're you're scamming all these people. Why don't you fight me? N- yeah. and knowing full well that he was, he was completely and utterly done. Yeah. And yeah. and I and and I was back on board the the hay gravy train at that point. I'm like, me too. let's do him, do him, yeah. do Bellu, absolutely yeah. smash him up. Um, and uh, and 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 the way Bellu talks about it, even now. Uh, the most devastating puncher in the history in the sport at the, at the time of the low 20. Like you're building this up so much. You remember how Bellew built that win up so much? Yeah. You know, I, I beat the most devastating puncher in, in, in the history of boxing. It was almost like that levels of rhetoric that he was spewing. Yeah. And, 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 and it, I think he knew that it, what he did wasn't, and, and even in the, in the, in, when, in the rematch, cause you, you mm. could say, oh, well, his ankle blew out. Yeah. And and that won't happen again. He was wrecked. He was just no, a shell. You'll remember there was, and we did we you know this 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 that fight falls under the you know kind of the below the belt spat when we would have podcasted after it. The first fight, you know, his Achilles went and he from six rounds and he managed to stay in there for six rounds. And I really rated David Hay for staying in there for six rounds. And I remember thinking it was a fucking disgrace that he got booed after the fight, David Hay. Um, but the second fight was even worse for me because you may remember, you may not. There were so many stories about how basically he was fucked, David yeah. Hay. And and I remember saying on the podcast afterwards that it was a disgrace that he was allowed to box, that the board shouldn't have let him in a ring, mm. that he shouldn't. And I think Paulie Malinaji said after the fight, he said, as soon as I saw him step into the ring and how he was on his feet, I knew he was going to lose the second fight because his Achilles wasn't repaired. And I remember seeing a picture of his Achilles. It was fucking destroyed. Mm. It's absolutely destroyed. He should not have been in that ring in that second fight. The first fight, you know, David Hay beat a one-legged, uh, sorry, Tony Belly beat a one-legged man and a, a guy at least five years past his prime, at least, you know, um, and the second fight was a fucking joke. Tony Belly made a lot of money. David Hay made a lot of money. Fair play to the pair of them for making a lot of money. Because like we said at the very start of this podcast, we want fighters to make as much money as they can because they do the thing that we can't or won't do. Yeah, fair play. Um, and I want them to make as plenty of money, but let's not, let's not pretend that either of those wins mean anything because they don't. They no, don't mean anything. They do not. Um, but yeah, like as I remember, like massively... Um... You know, grateful to David Hay because without him, I'm sure I would have got into boxing at some point. But he, he yeah, he definitely, um, he just brought it to the fore. And like I say, meeting him, I couldn't have met a nicer person. And and 
he gave me, he gave me so much time and and it was a really great moment those two hours that I just sat there and talked about boxing with him was was something I will remember and I think I've still got the tape somewhere I recorded it on onto actual tape oh that's nice I'd like to I'd like to listen to it I'm sure I'll find it somewhere but yeah um, yeah it was it was great and I, and, and I love David Hay and he he deserves to be spoken about for his boxing ability over the whether yeah. or not he was popular or not and do you know what? I remember sending a video into our WhatsApp group about a year ago, and it was him talking about fantasy fights with him and old older fighters. And he said he was quite open about Lennox. He said Lennox Lewis would have destroyed me. Yeah. <laughs> and you and do you know what? I was really happy for him because whenever a fighter says something like that, when they're so open and honest like that, it shows me that they're happily retired, that they, they don't want to fight anymore. They know they're done. And that's always really... Carl Froch is the same. Carl Froch, you can see, he's a little bit... He still says, oh, I smashed up Calzaghe, I smashed up Golovkin. That's just him. He's just a weird guy. But they're both quite happily retired. There's no desire for them to ever want to box again. And that always makes me happy to see people happily retired. And he's doing a great job as Derek Chisora's manager. He really is. You see Derek Chisora, War Chisora. I remember going to the to the fight um, when he boxed David Price and Josh Taylor... Um, boxed a boxing the world super series final there was chisora merch everywhere and that's david hay that's david hay's influence and he's yeah, making he's, he's doing well as a manager and i'd like doing, to see him get he's, some... he's he's learned from himself and he? he's learned from the mistakes he made yeah in his younger days and yeah. uh, he's doing great work with chisora like i i love i love derek chisora i want yeah. him to win it all i mean he, he won't but with his you know his limited ability he can't speak very well um, he, he has limited talent, but he he is an absolute warrior, and he clearly loves boxing. And with Hayes' sort of sex appeal and his razzmatazz and his his, his boxing knowledge, he's adding yeah. that marketability to someone who wasn't previously marketable. Derek Chisora uh, couldn't have filled up your call, no. like he couldn't. And I think the team of Eddie Hearn and David Hay. They've made him into a guy that's barring, you know, COVID-19 was about to sell out the O2 and be on Sky Box Office as the main event against Alexander Usyk. Yeah. And, um, and look, I mean, look, we've got to give credit to Chisora as well because he has, he did yeah. stop. Uh, he's rebuilt he's, himself. Hasn't yeah, he's done, done incredibly. And, and I like the fact it was like, it was, a, what was it? The, um, I think, uh, I think it was Hearn who said like it was the end of the road fight for White Chisora too. Or, or, or it might have been another fight. And Chisora said, do you know how many times people have said to this? I'm not stopping. I love this. I'm going to keep boxing forever or something like that. Yeah. I'll keep coming, but I'll come back again. And you, and you could. I mean, hopefully this is the last time because you want to see him get old and hurt. Yeah. But he's kind of boxing style. He's one that does sustain and does go on. People love him as well. People love him. Mm. And Eddie Hearn needs people to fill Sky, Sky Sports box office cards. And Chisora is a, a name and people... Uh, and people will will still pay to watch him box. And for a long time under Frank Warren, nobody was paying to, Derek, to see Derek Chisora once. I remember leaving the copper box early because I just couldn't be bothered to watch a Derek Chisora fight because he was fighting some fucking Bulgarian pudding. Yeah. Just, I wasn't interested. Um, yeah, so fair play to, to Chisora and David Hay, and I think that's a good way to end it. All right, spot uh, on. Um, yeah, nice one, Flav. Cheers, pal. That was a good talk. Bye, mate. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.